What up, what up? It's your girl Rowdy and we are back with another episode of Lip Service. We're going to be talking all things sex today. I'm here with my producer Gunshy. Let's get into it. everybody so today like I said we're gonna be talking all things sex um (laughs) if you know me you know that I do not shy away from any kind of controversial talk especially sex for me (laughs) I mean for me sex is just as natural as breathing it's nothing to be ashamed of in fact I feel like more people should be talking about sex, um, not for sort of the salacious side of it, but just because the more you talk about it, the more educated you can become about it, which is probably the most important aspect of sex um, in any era nowadays as well, even more so maybe because it seems like people are just being a little irresponsible about it. So I'm all for having you know, the open dialogue and discussion, talking about different things <laughs> and whatnot in regards to sex. So, yeah, so gun shy, let's, let's yes. get it rolling. Let's, let's get it rolling. All right, this is going to be a fun one. I hope um, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'm just now, honestly... For me, sex is always like like a you didn't necessarily talk about it. It was something that was saved for marriage, or it was used for you know to procreate. Because you're a churchy. I was. <laughs> Although I will say, the church is prime and ready for sexual misconduct and sexual misdeeds. The shit that goes on behind. Those big, beautiful wooden doors is crazy. I mean, there's a lot of sexual activity (laughs) going on in the congregation, but we cannot get on the churches at the top of this podcast. Like, like, we cannot. Like, they're going to be like, we hate you. Yeah, we're going to be on a watch list. (laughs) Oh, dear. But um, but yeah. So now it's it's crazy for me because at my my age, which I'm not telling, I really feel more comfortable now with just talking about it with just like my own sexual identity and not having to have it linked to who I'm with or you know just for making babies or anything like that. Like just be able to talk about sex just for the pleasure of having sex or just, you know, just for that. So it's a new thing to me. (laughs) So, um, sexuality, um, overall in general, I think we've come a long way, obviously from back in the day. Um, clearly sexuality for women, we've come a, a, a mighty long way, but you know, that's talked about a lot. It's already been done, been there, done that. Um, so I guess things that I like to talk about or that I conversations that I find myself in regarding sex and sexuality and things like that 
kind of is around the different types or forms, I guess, if you will. Um, honestly, one of my favorite eras in regards to sexuality, oddly enough, is in Venice back in the day when they had the courtesans. Like, those women were more than just, I guess what you would say, high price escorts, I guess you would call them nowadays, they'd be equivalent to high-priced escorts, but that was like a, a major sexual revolution in, in Italy and Venice at the time. Those women were held in such high regard in society. I mean, they got to be involved in the private conversations and meetings of the most influential men at that time, and they held a lot of influence. They were learned. They were artistic. They could speak multiple languages which was not what many of the women of the time could do. Even the wealthy women, they were just at home sitting in sewing rooms or with each other, like crocheting or whatever, and not talking about sex and being pious and things like that. Not really. They were educated, but not educated in the sense that we think, where they could speak multiple languages and they could um, have very educated conversations about foreign affairs, politics, and the courtesans in Venice were doing that. They were very influential um, in regards to, you know, sort of the men in power. They had a lot of influence and a lot of power, um, which I thought was just really interesting. And by the way, just as a sidebar, we're recording this um, in two separate locations. Got to do what you got to do when you're under quarantine or social distancing or lockdown, whatever it's called. Right. Right. Yes, we are. Got to keep the creativity going. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so back to the, to the, um, back to the courtesans. So is that the main thing about them that intrigued you, like the power they had? Or well, not only, it's not even the power that intrigued me. It's the fact that at a time when women were definitely in a position where they were, were not allowed to have any kind of sexual freedom, they weren't allowed to govern themselves, they weren't allowed to be fully educated, um, you had these group of women who were in control of their own agency and were allowed to do a lot of things that women weren't allowed to do at the day, all because they were sexually liberated. And now, did they sell their bodies? Yes, they got paid very handsomely for it. A lot of them became some of the wealthiest women of their time. Um, but I think it's really interesting that all of that sex and stuff ties to the fact that it allowed them to be educated, allowed them to have a voice. I mean, some of them became published writers, like published poets and things. They were able to get their, their writings and their poetry published just because of their political connections. Regular women of that day could not do that. I mean, it just wasn't acceptable, but it was acceptable for, for a courtesan to do it. Um, so I, that part intrigues me because even throughout history, even if you take it to one of my favorite eras in the United States, that um, in New Orleans, like Placage, same thing. It's like 
the women who, and they were free women of color, which is a far cry from the European women of Venice, but they were able to enter into these sort of arrangements, left-hand marriages, whatever you want to call it, with wealthy white men. And they were able to own property, have stores, make money, have businesses. Um, and they used that to better themselves, to better their station and their situation. So the pattern, I guess, that I see in all of that is that sexual liberation for some women tied directly to their education, their prosperity, and their ability to have a voice. So I just, I, for me, that whole part of it is all very fascinating. That reminds me, there's this quote, right, by Oscar Wilde. And he said that everything in the world is about sex, except for sex is about power. See, everything is sex, except sex, which is power. You know, power is just sex. You screw me and I'll screw you too. And yeah. I was like, I was like, that's wild. I can see that. Um, I mean, sex is definitely, at least as far as we... As far as I know, I guess, as far as I know, going back to time, was used as, as power. I mean, it's all a matter of, I guess, how you use it. I don't know. I just think the women were using it to their advantage, a lot of them. But then on the flip side of that, though, some were using it to make a living with no, no aspirations of education or power or anything it was just survival. It was their last resort because you can't, you, th there is that side to it. Um, right. which is right. the more seedy side, the more, you know, not as prestigious. I'm using my sexuality for upward mobility or whatever. It was more, you know, just a matter of survival, which led to a lot of disease and death. <laughs> Um, which is not a good thing. No, no. <laughs> but there's but always they, multiple facets to anything, so. Right. And that, I mean, if you think about it, they call it by different names now, but it's still the same. I'm, I'm thinking about um, the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and seeing different strippers posting their bags of money. They were making hundreds of thousands of dollars Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, but you said strippers, and so are you saying that they, no, they were, were having sex with people, or what? No, no, no. No, these were actual, no, they were actual strippers, but it's considered the sex industry. See, I, I don't know, because I don't feel like being a stripper should be equated with the sex industry, because not all strippers have sex, and candidly, they're not supposed to be having sex. Then you, you become an escort or a prostitute if you're going to have sex. You're not just a stripper. Like, there are women who just strip and make a living, and that's it. And then there are women who strip and have sex with customers in the back or whatever. Those are, like, I feel like we have to separate the two because I don't ever want to categorize all strippers as sex workers because I just don't think that's true. Like, I think that's bad to put that connotation on the stripping industry. It's just well, bad because people do it so often and they already I, have a bad rap. I, I just I not something I would do. If I'm looking up, like right now I'm looking up who qualifies as a sex worker and it's literally porn stars, cam girls, strippers, phone sex operators, agency escorts, and street prostitutes. 
because they all sell their sexual services and some right but you but i i don't consider strippers all the other ones yeah because they're usually doing some form of sex whether it's with themselves or whatever i get it phone sex operators yeah you're talking dirty that's very sexual we all know porn is sex i mean (laughs) strippers are up there dancing I mean, again, you have strippers that do have sex with customers, but I just don't want to put a broad, put them under a broad umbrella and make it... I tell you what, I personally am not going to be the one to say that strippers are sex workers. I'm just not here to offend any strippers. I, I respect their profession. Never been a stripper. Couldn't do it if I wanted to. I don't got the ass for it. But <laughs> I respect the, the profession, so, you know. Anyway... We're talking. I'm. I mean, I'm talk here talking sex acts. Like I'm really not talking stripping and talking about how society categorizes a profession like that. Like I'm talking. Well, let's talk sex. Courtesans. I mean, they courtesans had sex. That that was their line of work. They were sex workers. But I'm just saying the difference then and now. It's very different because even now, escorts and stuff. They're back to being looking looked down upon, and there's so many of them out there. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just the different. I don't know. Have we come a long way, or have we went back in time? I kind of feel like we're actually going back in time when it comes to sex. To sex, like I, I really do. I can't agree with that. And the crazy thing is, is people try to make it so taboo, but these people are staying in business for a reason. It's not because they're not getting service. It's not because people aren't seeking out. It's, there's a reason there are sites up all over that higher that you that you can get escorts with and everything like that, male and female. Let's but, talk about the porn industry for a second because let's do it. the porn industry is really has really exploded, especially online. It's has it's exploded for a while now. But it's like so the norm nowadays. I think that before when people would sort of be secretly watching porn and don't let me get caught. Nobody cares anymore. Everybody watches porn. I mean, and nobody cares. It's like it is what it is. And that's kind of cool because if you put it all out there, it's like nobody's in the back room, you know, hiding and doing something considered dirty or whatever. I mean, I don't know. It's just interesting. I mean, I don't know how many hits Pornhub gets, but God damn it, it's got to be a lot. Like, uh, listen. Millions on just one video. I can't even imagine how many hits it gets. But it's, I mean, it's the norm nowadays. And I think that that's, that's cool. I mean, I don't, I'm a person who clearly doesn't think um, sex is shameful. Definitely not. Okay. Well, since we're talking about sex not being shameful, shame, Pornhub, shame. Sorry, I've got. <laughs> I went off on a little Game of Thrones tan- Game of Thrones tangent. <laughs> love it, love it. So, a little Cersei, Cersei yeah. walking through the streets. Naked. Yeah. Oh, that was horrible. Um. <laughs> yeah, that was the only time I felt sorry for her. But um, anyway, got me distracted. So. What is your favorite type of sex to view? To view? Um, to watch. Yes. To watch. 
I am partial to hentai, which is, or AKA like cartoon porn. Like I am quite partial to that. It's really fucking interesting. I mean, especially the ones that are really done, like the, the hentai, the Japanese anime, they have full on storylines. They're so good. And they're funny too. They're very fucking funny. And I saw some stuff on there that I was like, wait, what? Sometimes I look, I watch it because I want to see what weird ass shit's going to go on. I don't know if you, like, they have this whole segment called, like, monster porn. Uh-huh. Which is really fucking weird. Like, literally, when I stumbled upon it, I was like, what is this? And it was like, no, for real. Like the first time I was just like, what is this? I was literally in awe because it was like some little, you know, Japanese hentai anime character having sex with some eight tentacled monster or whatever. (laughs) The first time I saw it, I I literally, I genuinely, genuinely wigged out. I was like, what is this? I was like enthralled. Because it was crazy because, like, the tentacles were everywhere. (laughs) I mean, they were, I was like, how is this a thing? And I don't even know. I'm pretty sure I was like, oh, my God, told somebody, have you seen this? Like, have you heard of this? Like, you have to watch this. Like, I was, it was interesting. I had never seen anything like that. And I recommend everybody to look it up because you will be either shocked and awed or horrified. I don't know. It just depends whatever your personal kink is. <laughs> that is interesting. <laughs> yes, I'm going to look up animal porn. Thank you. I um, didn't say anything about animal porn, you freak. <laughs> just for the record, folks, I said monster porn with tentacles. I don't know what kind of crazy kink Gunshy's into, but she just said animal porn. That was her, not me. I, I, I meant monster. I meant monster. <laughs> oh my god yeah, don't let, oh my god don't let the vegans come after me um so <laughs> what are your thoughts on like bdsm and things like that then um well i don't have too st- strong of thoughts on it either way i can tell you that um well you guys may not know that gunshy and i had the opportunity to attend a BDSM meeting here in Houston. We were doing some research for a project. We really were doing research for a project, y'all. I forgot about that. No, no snide comments. Like, we really were. But we went to a meeting, and surprisingly, it was very structured and very informational. And when you think about BDSM, at least when I thought about it before that, it was just like, I thought it was very sort of diabolical and people wanting to abuse each other and people had issues. That is not what it is. Like not at all. These people who engage in this are very educated, very safe, um, very much in their right mind. All of this stuff is very technical. Um, they meet, they discuss, they have agreements. Safety is of the utmost importance and it's First and foremost is safety and making the other person feel comfortable. And it's not about, you know, being a deviant. And that was surprising to me going into it and and really getting an opportunity to understand how it works and the fact that when they 
when they have an encounter with someone, they call it a scene before they even do it. They sit down and discuss what's going to happen. They talk about their limits. Um, it's a very respectful sexual encounter um, that obviously the people who engage in it definitely get some pleasure, lots of pleasure from pain, but not in a degrading way. It's, it's very much consensual. And I think that yes. society, the general society who are on the outside of it don't understand it. And then you think we get it wrong. We have like wrong opinions about what it is and about the people who engage in it. I totally agree. And it's interesting because you have movies like Fifty Shade. I think people engage in it because they have some sort of abuse issues or things like that that they need to play out. Yeah, and that yeah. really got the BDSM community up in a knot, literally. Like, they were not pleased with how it was betrayed because. I mean, you know, they, they don't come from a place of pain and hurt and abuse. It's like, we do this because we enjoy this type of sex play. So, um, don't even get me started on Fifty Shades of Grey. Now, listen, the movies I liked, I mean, the characters were gorgeous. Um, I thought it was, the movies were well done. I didn't particularly like the book. I thought the writing was shabby, but don't get me started on that because I'm biased in that regard. But um, anyway, yeah. So, you know, I just think there's a big misconception about it. And I feel like regardless of what kind of kink you're into or if you're not into any kink at all, if you're a good old missionary, that's fine too. Um, I just think we all need to be open-minded and respectful of each other's choices and sexuality and that's my lip service Hello.